All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. It's good to have you here today. It almost feels like a Monday for some reason. I'm not sure because it's already been a, a busy week, but good to have you here nonetheless. We are streaming live. So for those of you that might be listening to the audio version of this podcast after the fact, do keep in mind, we live stream every single one of the Boca Podcast episodes. If you follow us on Instagram at Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast, we can keep you up to date there about the upcoming live streams. We actually have three this week. So this is the first of three, a lot more content to come. Make sure that you follow us there and you can not only watch and or listen, but engage with us on the live stream. That's one of the cool things about it. We're gonna be sharing plenty of visuals throughout the conversation. And you can actually see myself, my cool new We Edit Like You uh, Photographer's Edit t-shirt, as well as our wonderful guest who I'm about to introduce here in just a few seconds. So come hang out with us, engage with us, ask questions, comments, send us funny emojis. Let's have fun. Let's make it a group conversation and discussion. As I promised you all I would do, I'm just going to pop up my receipt from my donation to Charity Water here today. And I'm doing this before every single podcast episode, just as a way to encourage, first of all, to take more initiative on, on my own part, but also to encourage you all to look for opportunities to give back your local community or maybe to an international or national organization, make sure that you give back. And I just want to encourage you with that. All right. And we already have uh, somebody commenting here. Whitney Smith is saying, ah, I finally caught one. And Whitney, we're glad to actually have you here. And I'm about to introduce our wonderful guest today. I am joined by none other than Leandra. I mean, I'm going to try this, Leandra. Here we go. Caprini Rossica. Is that right? You got it. Did I get you it right? Okay, perfect. It. Yes. Incredible. Honestly, <laughs> best pronunciation I've heard in a while. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, we were, we were trying to, I was chatting with Leandra before we got started, and I wanted to make sure that we got the pronunciation right. We, we both share last names that aren't actually that complicated to say, but look, I guess, more complicated than they are. And uh, I think for most of our lives, people have been pronouncing them a little bit unusually. I, I don't know if you know this, Leandra, but I grew up in Japan, and my last name in, in Japan, the way that the Japanese people pronounce it is Horitsu, and Horitsu actually means the law, like the police. So it has a whole different connotation there. <laughs> That's not how I've been saying it. So, <laughs> yeah, Holritz is it has um, Scandinavian background. Actually, there's a there's like this German strain uh, of families that are here in the U.S. Von Horowitz, I think, is is oh. the uh, nonetheless, and then I think maybe a Von Holritz, actually spelled like ours. But we have Scandinavian background. How about yourself? I'm, I'm going to guess this Italian, why- but. It's just a little Italian sprinkled with like a lot more Italian. So okay. that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> well, nonetheless, it's good to have you here today. And um, we're going to actually so get. Gosh. Well, and you've been super complimentary. And I, what I was saying to you beforehand is energy, like excitement and energy is a great thing. And you know this, having been a broadcaster yourself, that bringing energy to conversation makes all the difference in the world and the end product and certainly the, the listener experience. So we're going to bring plenty of energy today. I love it. Perfect. I can't wait. Well, and so let's just jump right into actually the first question, because we're going to be getting to a main topic a little bit later on, talking about maximizing the value of styled shoots. It's a pretty loaded topic. Lots of content there. Before we go there, though, as I normally do, I'd like to ask my guests a series of questions, the first being about brand position. This is something we talk about a lot in the podcast. Brand position, of course, just very simply being the value proposition that we offer to our marketplace. And I'm curious for your brand, as I pull up your website here, what that brand proposition or brand position statement is? I love that you asked this. And honestly, just by virtue of prepping for this podcast, I have to give you props because it really made me take a closer look at 
what my brand position is and how oh, I'm okay. communicating it yeah. effectively or maybe not so effectively this morning I possibly uh, realized a bit and had to make some adjustments to my website. Um, but yeah, thank you for being so diligent about uh, shifting photographers' viewpoints to something that is um, so inevitable in our business and and I think we, we kind of forget to take a look at. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, um, I, I'm uh, an intimate wedding and elopement photographer currently based uh, in North Carolina, probably not for long, but that's where I've been uh, recently. Um, and my brand position right now is capturing legacies for best friends in love. Um, seems possibly a bit simple, um, but it's something that I've noticed in my people, in the the souls that I tend to attract are often uh, madly in love, but really have a deep-seated friendship. Um, it's something that I've seen in, in my relationships and, and with my partner um, that has just created such a meaningful connection, having started from that place of friendship. And it's something that um, I've attracted in my clients, and, and it just tends to be the people that um, I can really serve the best and that end up having uh, the most exceptional experience uh, with me as their photographer. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with my brand position. Cool. Well, and, and you did it brilliantly. I'll jump back over to your website, actually. Having your position statement in large, bold font above the folds that nobody has to scroll down looking for what your business is about. So props to you for that. And mm -hmm. this idea of capturing legacies, talk just a little bit about that, because that's a word that we hear in our industry. You see it from time to time. What does that actually mean for you and ultimately for the sake of your clients? Yeah, so great question. For for me, I think legacies is more than just having uh, physical or digital photographs captured, right? It's about kind of honoring the experience um, and being uh, in in synchronicity almost with your clients, so that you are able to capture uh, these pieces of the puzzle, right? Of their of their love story, of their life that end up becoming legacies. So, like the only to me, the only physical. Um, component of a legacy uh, often is photographs. Um, and so to be able to be the person that captures that just feels so extraordinary. And and I really like to capitalize on on that legacy piece because it's, it's different than just photographs. And to me, I feel like photos, videos, all these things that we provide our clients with, gifts, whatever, you know, it might be, look and feel different when they come from the lens or the eyes and heart of someone that actually values your, their people, their clients, their couples. Um, and I think that's, that's a bit of the difference. Well, I, again, I, I have to give you props for the way that you have it presented there on your homepage. Oh, and, thank you. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's really a big deal. And you know, part of the, the value in having a brand position is immediately to filter irrelevant clients, number one. Two, and maybe even more importantly, just very simply, for those that are landing on the site, that they immediately know what it is that your brand represents. And, and right there, I mean, you've got it front and center. There's no looking, there's no guessing, there's no sifting through paragraphs of text. And um, so that, that's a great example in the presentation. And uh, again, props oh, gosh, to you for that. Thank you. And I just realized too, just a little side note for anybody that may or may not have noticed, I, I looked like I was clicked into the wrong mic. So I fixed my audio issues. And Leandra, I can, I can hear you plain and clear as well. So I think we're good to go. And we're going to keep going with questions here. I, second question has to do with customer experience. And I've said this before in the podcast, it may seem like a little bit of a cliche topic, but the reality is that everything seems to come back to two things. One, relationships, and two, experience. We're going to talk about relationships, especially as it relates to vendors a little bit later with styled shoots. But the experience that the client has in many, if not most cases, trumps even the quality of the, the photography that 
as photographers, we we like to you know prop up and make such a big deal about. It's the experience. So I'm curious, what do you do for the sake of building up your client's experience, giving them a really positive experience with your brand? Yeah. Wow. That's a loaded and uh, fantastic question. Um, I'm, if you see my eyes going, I'm, I'm such a note taker that I probably will reference my notes. So I don't have sure. a lazy eye and I'm not uninterested. I'm just looking. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you, I will say, uh, Landry, you're a little bit pixelated. So I don't know if, if your yeah. connection is slowing down there a little bit, but just a little heads up in case something might be eating up bandwidth on your end. I know. I was noticing that too. I'm so sorry. I've turned all the other devices off in my house. So hopefully it's just going here. But I don't fingers. know why. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, goodness. Hopefully it'll um it'll get back on here in, in a moment. But other than that, you can enjoy my blurry face. Um <laughs> but uh yeah I mean I, I guess truthfully I don't think I'd be acting in integrity if I didn't say that uh empathy was the largest component of uh infiltrating this aspect of mm. relationships in in my life and business yeah. and although it is a bit of a buzzword right now and I hate you know I hate to use it it does <laughs> run so intimately through my life and business um and what I expect of my own personal relationships and even in my welcome and investment guide I have uh on one page and through all of the iterations of this welcome and investment guide, I've always kept this the same. It says, uh, love, empathy, and a good sense of humor are the fundamentals of my life and business. And that is something that I've, you know, really carried with me through, um, you know, the divorce I went through with, with my parents and my dad's like love of comedy and, and just all of these pieces of my life that um, kind of fell into place to make me really value leading with empathy. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. I, it's just something that it's my personal belief that timeless and extraordinary photos only are created through the lens of someone that takes the time to get to know their mm. couple's unique story. And mm. I think the vehicle to do that is empathy, solely, plainly put, right? Like, um, I, I think when we when we aren't leading with empathy, it often the intention gets clouded. Um, and so when we bring it back to leading with that empathetic heart, then we're able to capture things in a way that are meaningful, that are legacies, right? So I, yeah. I think that would be that would be that question for me. Hopefully, that was an answer. No, it is. And actually, as you were talking, I was pulling up. Uh, we have a, a list of what we've called. I say we, myself and my kids, call our rules for life that we created a number of years ago and I've I've tweaked a little bit since, but they're on the refrigerator. Uh, My girlfriend, Jill created this canvas of them as well that we have hanging kind of over my shoulder over here. Bring us over. Let's see it. I got to see it. I need to do show and tell. (laughs) I know actually that'd be kind of brilliant. But the first, literally the first thing on that list is empathy is the significance of empathy and putting yourself in other shoes. And honestly, I've had to learn that lesson the hard way, particularly in my personal relationships, because of some kind of distorted thought processes on my end that come from my childhood. And, and just lar- a lot of it was just ego, honestly. So mm. setting ego aside and putting myself in the other person's shoes, learning to, to try, at least try to feel and to think the way that they do, or at least understand that perspective and make room for that. It's, it's, I mean, it, we can't put enough emphasis on it. And it's true. Not only does it translate to better photographs, I think, but also just the overall experience that we give to our clients, it makes a massive difference. What does that look like tangibly for you? Like, how do you, how do you take that to the interaction with your clients? Yeah, gosh, wow. That's a great question. Um, I think for me, it ends up resulting in a lot of, um, like true 
genuine conversations. So like way before, I, I know a lot of photographers get, um, you know, anxious about meeting their clients for the first time or, you know, posing is a big one that comes up a lot. Um, and it's something that I've, you know, tried to teach as an educator for photographers too. And, and that, I think something that really can mitigate that anxiety is having that constant communication through conversation with your clients. So like, um, for me, it really, really helps to have several touch points before we ever meet. So whether that's, you know, I talk a lot about scheduling a connection call. That's, I, I mean, you can call it a discovery call. You can call it whatever you want. But for sure. me, I've decided to call it a connection call because that that's what felt right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, I don't, you know, um, I don't just send a guide when someone inquires. I um, don't really say much other than I'm really excited to chat and I give them a link to call. I give them a link to schedule that video call. And to me, that has been something that has not only uh, removed a lot of price objections, but is actually um, kind of done with that brand position does, like you mentioned in the beginning, and and weeds out people that aren't willing to take that time. Because mm. to me, um, you have to, if I'm going to invest as much as I invest in them, I want them to be as invested in themselves and their love and their photographs to take that time to really um, be a part of the conversation. And I care so deeply about these people and their lives. And often they end up becoming friends that uh, to me, it's essential to have that immediate conversation to not just talk about their wedding day, but know what they're allergic to. If I want to bring them a treat or like know what (laughs) kind of bath bombs they want. We don't need anybody going into anaphylactic shock on the wedding day because you brought up the wrong snack. Yeah, right, 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 right. Exactly. But like, you know, just just to kind of go beyond that um, inherent um, desire to know about the wedding and actually get to know them as, as individuals. Right. And so I think having those intermittent conversations, whether it's just shooting them a voice DM on Instagram, because you saw, uh, something that resonated with you or, you know, just, just kind of keeping up that friendship really. I mean, that's what it is. Sometimes people are scared to say that they become friends with their clients, but, um, for me, it feels inevitable. Well, I appreciate the perspective and, and actually we're having, we have more comments coming in too, by the way, thank you for everybody who is listening in, chiming in, watching live. And, uh, Cheyenne earlier just simply gave us a bunch of clapping emojis, which is, Woo-hoo. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> Thanks for listening you, Cheyenne. in Cheyenne. <laughs> and, and then Whitney commented, she said, yes, communicating has been so vital for me since I changed my pricing structure. And I, I Whitney, I'd love for you to maybe kind of build on that. Tell us a little bit more about, give some context, I guess, to the statement. We'll come back to you because I think it's the idea of communication obviously is relevant regardless of the element of, of the business that we're talking about. We're working with a team. We're working with clients. Frankly, clarity for our own selves and how we communicate with ourselves. I mean, it's, it's relevant all the way around. So we'd love to hear a little bit more, Whitney, but thanks for, for commenting in. And I do want to keep the conversation going, Leandra, kind of changing gears just a little bit, talking about time management. Is there something, a principle, an idea that's kind of driven what you do as a business owner that has made a difference, I guess, in the way that you're able to manage time, juggling business and personal life? What does that look like for you? Yes. Um, I can't lie to you. I wish that I could, but I just like sweat and cry when I lie. So I won't. (laughs) Okay. Um, That's good. (laughs) I do not. (laughs) I don't meditate 
every day. I do not read 10 pages in the morning. I do not drink hot lemon water, although I know all <laughs> of these things would be so beneficial for me. Yeah. Um, I have to be really honest. Like, gosh, if my sweet boyfriend was watching this and he saw that I was like, I have such an incredible work-life balance, he would drive home from work and just laugh at me. Um, but I, gosh, it's, I think anyone who's an entrepreneur knows that it's, it's a constant, um, you know, goal to find this balance. But for me, like, especially recently through the pandemic and in this season, um, it's not really something that I've had a lot of and can speak to because to me, photography was my greatest hobby growing up. It was my saving grace. It was just this thing that lit my heart on fire. And it still is like, I, I truly took my, my greatest hobby and I love that about my job. Um, but it also makes it so that I, I don't really have a lot of hobbies. And when I crave to do something creative, I dive into work. When I want to do something inspiring, I dive into work. When I want to feel that entrepreneurial spirit, I dive into work. When I want to chill and not think about life, I dive into work. And so I, I can't sit here and lie to you and say that I have this incredible balance because mm. truly right now, I, I just don't. Um, so I would love any tips in the comments about, <laughs> you know, what for someone who, who really is just, I mean, I know all photographers are passionate about their work that I'm not, I'm not special in that way at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyone who, who took their favorite hobby and then made it their job who just loves working, I would love to know some tips for balance. That's actually <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. I'm working on a anybody listening and watching comment, throw your little one-liner tip trick for better time management in the comment section. That's a great idea. And we are streaming at facebook.com slash Boca podcast, by the way, for those of you who are listening to this after the fact, the audio version, you can go back and watch the live stream and even comment if you want, make sure to tag Leandra too. Uh, Whitney actually chimed back in too on the conversation that we were having about conversation, about communication. She said, my digital images are sold separately from mm -hmm my session pricing now they used to come with it and explaining that has been super important people just assume they're going to get images with yeah. the session and that's that's actually really helpful context Whitney and actually speaking of context really you're proactively managing the expectations of your clients you're giving them context and that is such an important element of communication what you say Landra yeah, I think that's huge. And just uh, kind of like what we were talking about initially, just having those kind of touch points of communication mm. that you know, this is part of my process. It's not just a, I show up on your wedding day, you know, I am an integral part of this process for you beyond just getting married. Um, and so I think, you know, like Whitney said, having those um, conversations and, and managing the expectations up front of, of this is what I'm able to give you. And um, my role doesn't stop here. If you need support, I am there for you, right? And so kind of managing those expectations of what they should expect of their experience with you and what you're willing to give is super, uh, super valuable, I think. Yeah, especially if the, the service and or product that you're selling is different than what may be considered the norm in that marketplace yes. too, in, in Whitney's case. So yeah, that's a great reminder, Whitney. And thanks for that additional context. I want to jump back to time management though. And definitely for those of you listening and watching, comment, share your, <laughs> say, share your favorite time management tips. But along those lines, delegation certainly is one of the most beneficial mm. when it comes to saving time. I'm curious if you've experienced or experimented with this, if you've experienced the benefits of it, Leandra, what does that look like for you? Yeah, you know what? I kind of overlooked that. And I do delegate quite a few things. So maybe that that's the way that I take care of myself and have balance and, and you know, utilize some time management. So I'll, I'll refine my question. I do... Uh, in fact, <laughs> have a bit. Okay. Um, 
But in terms of delegating, yeah, right now I have a incredible social media manager. Um, I create obviously all of my content and write all of my content. She um, does the hashtag management and a lot of the engagement as well as uh, lead generation. So that um, having her come on in that role this year has been super powerful to let me um, kind of do what I love most in with Instagram, with social media, which is directly talking to people, being in those DMs, sending voice messages, connecting with people in that way, kind of frees me up uh, to do more of what I'm good at and less of what stresses me out. So that's been awesome. Are you are you working with somebody? It's funny that you talk about this, somebody that's helping you with social media, because we're in, in the process right now of looking for somebody to help <gasps> us do just that as well. Just Nathan, kind of part time. I've got you. Do you? Okay. We may <laughs> yes. have to chat after. Yeah. So Jill, okay. of course, runs our digital marketing. She's producing this podcast as well. But um, she's got her hands full with a million different things. And so imagine. we, we wow. were looking yeah. for somebody to come along and kind of help supplement her efforts on the social media side. So we may have to connect. Now, is this somebody whose name or business you can share? Or is this like a little, we, we need to kind of keep it under wraps so they don't get bombarded with too many questions situation? I think maybe the latter. She okay. only takes on a few <laughs> a year. Yeah, but she's wonderful. And I'm sure she, she'd be willing to, to chat. I just, it's just something that has, just the act of having someone has been so, uh, such a breath of fresh air, honestly, yeah. for me, because I know, and I'm sure many photographers listening or watching can, can resonate with this. It's, mm-hmm. we are uh, built, not built necessarily, but uh, expected to do all the roles when you decide to be a photographer and have your own business. And a lot of us came in not really being social media experts or video experts or uh, podcasters or business owners, you know, and we True. just followed our craft. And so we, I think sometimes we look up and we're like, oh gosh, I've, I've taken on all these roles, none of which I have really an expertise in, which is great because I'm totally a, a, a um, you know, proponent of just kind of running into the fire at first and just figuring it out as you go. And um, I think that's a beautiful way to learn. But I, I do also, you know, understand that we should spend more time on what we love and what we're good at. So having that has been really, really incredible. And I know well, I'm fortunate to be able to have hired someone. So um, I also, you know, appreciate the hustle because it's what I did for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, the only thing I, I would add to that, too, you talk about doing things we love, that we're passionate about, um, that we're good at. But then the other thing that I would add, too, would be the thing that I, I think that we still need to many more business owners, photographers in particular, need to focus on is the thing that's going to move the business significantly. Mm. Uh, you know, editing, posting to social media, responding to emails, they may not always have a direct translation to revenue growth, client based mm. growth. And it, certainly they're a component of it. They want to minimize it. But the thing that we may need to be focusing our time more on are those things that have bigger leverage when it comes to growing the business. And that's what I would encourage business owners to consider. And it's one of the reasons certainly yes. that outsourcing editing can be a such a massive, not only relief, but ultimately a platform for photographers to have more time to build their business. But something like managing social media, some of the basic email management, uh, album design, I mean, the list goes on accounting, so many things that we can give to somebody else that still play a role, but it's just not the role that maybe we need to be putting our time and focus and energy Mm. toward. I I think we need to, to learn to kind of delineate between those things. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal point because initially when I was first starting out in my business, I think I uh, had this expectation for myself that I had to do it all, right? And that we're, we kind of take pride in that, I think. Um, and, you know, that, that we are doing everything, every aspect of it, right? But 
I think as you as you grow in your business as an entrepreneur, as a photographer, as a business owner, you start recognizing what the value, the monetary and otherwise mm-hmm. value of your time is really worth. Yeah. And and then and then the conversation of delegation comes into your head and you're really forced to look at where your time is best spent and how we can use that allocated time to grow the to to move the needle forward in our business right um like what you were saying so i think i think yeah it's absolutely essential especially as photographers that that do wear so many hats and cheyenne actually said outsourcing oh i think i clicked on the wrong window here here we're coming back to cheyenne there we go see i told you too many buttons to click and keep up with here um cheyenne was saying outsourcing. you're like a dj I can't, there are so many different things. You guys have no idea. All you see is a screen with a Boca logo in the corner. There are so many things going on behind the scenes. Buttons you have to, to do push behind and, the scenes. We need to see your refrigerator and we need to see your buttons. <laughs> I know. It's actually, my, my refrigerator is one of my favorite parts of my house. I don't, I'm not a stuff kind of guy. Like if you look around my, my walls, in fact, you can kind of see probably in the background, especially if I go full screen here, there's not a lot happening on the walls. And that's very much intentional. I do want to get a couple of pictures or, or two here soon. But um, nonetheless, one of my favorite parts of my house is the refrigerator. And it's all the little snapshots, little Instax prints, Aww. snapshots of me and my kids and friends and my girlfriend and you know family, whatever. It's, it's the best place. Like I just want to go hang out and look at the pictures there. I think it's a lot of fun. So yeah. He sets up a lawn chair. Actually, what you guys don't know is Nathan will set up a lawn chair right in front of his fridge and he just like hangs out. Like, that's, <laughs> just, that's his spot. <laughs> after I get done with work, have a drink, look at the pictures on my fridge. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Cheyenne says outsourcing for my social has been huge for me and my business. And um, yeah, Cheyenne, we're, we're going to, and, and Leandra's giving you the, the, the uh, hands, Raising the roof, I guess, is technically is the yeah. terminology. Is that the move? I don't <laughs> know. I'm not with it yeah. anymore. Yeah. Well, we'll have to we'll have to chat a little bit after Landra, and maybe I can get in contact with your your social media person because absolutely uh, we we could use some help as well. I want to keep the conversation going though. Talk to me about one of the most impactful business books or self help books that you've read or listened to, maybe in the last few years. Would love to to hear your thoughts on this one. All right. Okay. Yeah. I love this question. I actually hate it. Sorry. I lied to you right there. Um, (laughs) But it's only because I, um, for my whole life, school through university, I've really struggled with pretty severe ADHD. And so whenever I would um, talk to people or friends or grownups at the time, and they'd ask what my favorite book was, I always felt really um, kind of shameful about it because I had such a hard time with reading and it took me so long. And I'm such a... um, instant gratification kind mm-hmm. of individual mm-hmm. that uh, reading for me was really torturous. Um, so as a business owner, podcasts have actually been tr- like the light for me. Okay. Um, and so if it's okay to provide a little caveat and maybe share some of the most pivotal, wonderful podcasts, if Do that's it. Okay. All, yeah, okay. All day long, go for it. How strange would it be if I didn't say yours? This one, It'd obviously. be a little bit weird. I might be a little offended, <laughs> but but I'd, I'd let you get away with it, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Nathan, listen up. This podcast has been so transformational for me. I, I think I've listened to, I don't know. What's the, circa what? What's the birth date of Boca Podcast? I don't even know. 2016. Oh, my goodness. Okay, Five so years. two years before my, so two years just as a hobbyist, I was listening and then I started my business in 2018. So I've been listening to this podcast long before I even had a business. Whoa. Um, yeah. So this has, it, it, I mean, I won't toot your horn too much, but I 
really do love this podcast. It's given me so much value and support through times that I never thought that I would have a business. So mm. thank you for that. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. Uh, so obviously the Boca podcast, keep listening guys, um, learn to launch (laughs) by, uh, Nicola Dixon is truly a incredible resource, especially for photographers looking to launch a course or a product, something that I did recently. Um, and Nicola is just Nicola Dixon. What's the name of it again? Mm -hmm. It's called learn to launch, learn to launch. Okay. Yep. And it's specifically uh, to help photographers uh, launch a product service or uh, or online service, sorry, or a um, course. Uh, So that one's been amazing. The Jasmine Star Show, obviously, honestly, anything she does is exceptional. Um, That one is a is a fan favorite. Uh, The Gold Digger podcast. I've known Jasmine actually since she was even before a photographer. Uh, She was a photographer. She was a so she had gotten married um, to JD and maybe not long after their wedding, she was modeling for a workshop that Mike Cologne's a photographer out of California. Mike Cologne yeah. was doing this workshop that I was attending and she was modeling for that workshop. So this is even before Jasmine no was a photographer and everything else that she's done since we've had the opportunity to work with her at photographers edit and had her on the podcast as oh, well. Goodness. But yeah, she, she rocks. It. I mean, she's taking things to a whole different level now with her, oh, her business. Gosh. It's pretty amazing actually. She is such a huge inspiration. I can't even talk. I'm so overwhelmed. Um, yeah, <laughs> but she, her podcast that came out pretty recently is just uh, exceptional. And then, uh, of course, the Gold Digger podcast with Jenna Kutcher is wonderful. It's a lot of great insight, um, especially if you're new. She kind of does a great range of uh, being helpful to super new photographers and also, you know, professionals that have been doing it for a while. Um, Pursuit of Bliss is a kind of an out there one. Um, it's, it's more mindset manifestation focus something that i'm uh, really into unrelated to photography but totally related also sure why not? um that's with Kristen jenna uh, the chase jarvis show live is also an exceptional one that i've loved for mm. a long time mm-hmm. i think you've had him on the show before um, i haven't actually you know that's it's what kinda, no i know we, we've not we've not been a podcast um that has had like you know uh, you know you listen to podcasts and shows for example um, well, I won't name names at this point, but even, even some of the like pop culture podcasts out there, mm-hmm. they tend to kind of rotate in the same guests all the time. Mm. So you go to all these different yes. shows, but they're all having the same people on. And I've tried to avoid doing that for a number of reasons, but, um, you know, Chase, Chase has created kind of an empire in and of himself and super, super impressive business person, uh, a number of, in a d- number of different ways, but I haven't actually had him on the show yet. That might be something ah. that I, I try to do, have him on. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. He, I love, I've always really liked his and then make your break with Jai Long is another one that I've uh, just been fascinated by. He's uh, such a fascinating individual to me too. And, and the way he runs his business and um, yeah, love that one expanded by Lacey Phillips is also in the realm of more mindset shifting manifestation work. Um, And then I hope it's okay if I say the fuck word, oops, no fucks given with Sarah Knight. No judgment. Uh, her yeah. podcast is just exceptional. Okay. Um, and then, oh my gosh, I could go on, but I'll spare you. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you might like podcasts, although I, I can relate. Like I'm probably subscribed to, well, there's no telling how many I'm actually subscribed to. It's the ones that I actually listen to most regularly. It's funny, like I'll have a, you know, a subscription list of 15 or something like that. And it's usually the top two or three that I'm normally listening to. Do you find that's the case or do you regularly listen to all those? 
Um, so I definitely have my top few that I kind of rotate around and I'm sure I even missed some just now, but, uh, I do, you know, Spotify now will actually notify you when there's a new episode of one that you follow. So Mm -hmm. I try to just keep up with those. So Mm -hmm. that's uh, kind of how I do it. It's just so lovely to have something to do while you're editing or driving to a session. And it, uh, kind of just, I, wait, uh, did you say (laughs) while you're editing, did you, did you really just say that on, on our Boca podcast? Do you edit while you're, what? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) That's so funny. You could even look in our DMs. Actually, I just messaged photographers edit saying for years, I've been meaning to edit, meaning to message you guys. And now that I'm going to be on the podcast, I feel like it's only fitting to, uh, follow up. So, okay. Fair enough. We, by the way, for anybody who's watching live, we edit like I you. love the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we match your editing style. Yeah, come see us. Photographersedit.com. All right. Enough of the uh, Photographers Edit commercial. Let's, let's jump on to our main topic for today. We're going to talk about styled shoots, but it would be easy just to kind of go into... We talk about the idea of styled shoots and, and setting up styled shoots in such a way that we walk away with stunning portfolio images. But... I think that maybe the most valuable element of a styled shoot would be the relationships that come from it. Mm -hmm. I know that like as a wedding photographer personally, I think maybe I took part in or photographed one or two styled shoots and it really wasn't even for me. It was more for like a a bridal magazine or something to that effect. But the relationships that come from doing those shoots, the vendors that are, that you're collaborating with for the sake of those shoots, I think that may be where the most value comes from. And, and so I'm just, I want to kind of get your take on that today. Before we get into that in detail, though, talk to me just a little bit about your experience with the styled shoot. Actually, the first experience with the styled shoot. What did that look like? The first time you went to one, was it just kind of out of the blue? Did you host it? Did somebody else host it? What was it like? Oh my gosh, this gives me such nostalgic vibes to think yeah. back on this. And it honestly makes me so happy. So um, my first uh, styled shoot I think ever I uh, coordinated at a little wonderful venue um, between Charlotte, North Carolina and Asheville, right in Shelby. If you're a local, maybe you've heard of it. It's called Uptown Indigo. It's incredible. Some of our best friends um, own it and work there. And um, it was an elopement styled shoot. It was, you know, right before the pandemic hit and I was getting excited about potentially moving toward these smaller, more intimate weddings. Gosh, I am thankful that I did. Um, I had no idea obviously about the pandemic, but you know, now I look back and think, gosh, you know, uh, yeah, just beyond grateful that I made that choice. Um, and the model is actually a photographer herself, the woman who modeled for me with her husband, um, and is now truly one of my dearest friends in North Carolina. Um, and, and we met for the first time, uh, at the dress appointment because I like to go when I do a styled shoot, I like to, um, go to the, the dress shop if we're using, um, you know, wedding dress, um, with the client, meet the, owners of the dress shop if it's a new one that I've never been to um, and just be there to support the model trying on and to ensure that she loves what she's wearing. So um, the first time ever that we we met, we um, we met there and now uh, we talk almost every day. So that's kind of a nice memory. Um, yeah. And the this was a shoot also... that you were setting up or somebody else was setting up? Mm-hmm. Yep. That you were setting up? Yeah. Okay. Yep, okay. So what going into that first shoot was your intention? I mean, the perspective, of course, that we're, we're kind of delving into today as it relates to styled shoots is the significance of the relationships with the vendors that you're collaborating with for that styled shoot. Was that a mindset that you had at that point or was it something that was learned over time? Mm. I think going into it, so 
a little bit of a background on me that I kind of failed to give initially is I came from the world of uh, commercial video production. Um, so I was a, a video producer before I was in radio for about two years. Okay. And just having that background and, and kind of, you know, that coordination mindset of like kind of trying to take care of your crew and going into it with with that intention of, you know, when you're a producer, you're, you know, kind of looking out for all the aspects and how it all, you know, falls together. So I think I had that mindset a little bit, but never really recognized the um, the the transformational, truly, uh, value of focusing on relationships over the outcome until I did this style of shoot. I think mm. until um, I was submitting, until I was reaching out to those vendors again for, for further style shoots until, you know, I saw kind of the effects of it. And that's when my perspective started shifting and I went, there's something more here. So, I mean, really just from the outset, your, your shift wasn't starting to do styled shoots and then realizing, but it was going from these other experiences into the styled shoot environment that you realize the significance of it, I guess really just to make it super yeah. practical, let's just jump straight into ways that you've learned um, to, I guess, ultimately capitalize on these experience and build relationships with the vendors. Because what I'd like to ultimately encourage our listeners to do as they get involved in the next style shoot or maybe even create that next style shoot for themselves, rather than going into it with the sole purpose or the primary purpose of, let me just get some pretty images for my portfolio. No, I think, don't do that. <laughs> and, and not to minimize the value of that, but then ultimately... No, not at all. If we're thinking big picture as business owners... At the end of the day, as I mentioned earlier, relationships and experience is really what drives a successful business, I think, or at least yes. two of the most important. And so if we're going into the style shoot focused on relationships, I think that there's not just an immediate benefit in the images that we get for our portfolio from that shoot, but there's the opportunity to develop the relationships for the long run, which can drive business on an ongoing basis. Wouldn't you agree? Oh my gosh, uh, 110% so. And I would actually argue that the... Um, more immediate outcome is the relationships that you build right then and there. The, photo the photos take some time to edit, especially if you're sending them to photographers. <laughs> hey, are you saying but, we have slow turnaround time at photographers? Edit? No. Is, that, is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> Just playing. You caught me. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but you get what I'm saying that there is, you know, kind of that immediate. The more immediate. No, absolutely. I have yes. to give you a hard time, but yes. yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's Please. true. And, and just the experience, I mean, the whole experience is way more enjoyable if we go in with an open mind and looking for opportunities to connect. I would agree. So let's just start actually with a list of, I guess, okay. really specific ways or opportunities that you feel photographers could capitalize on this experience more for the sake of those relationships. And then we'll just go back and kind of break each one of them down. Sure, sure. Um, and just, you know, to preface this, I, I really want to hone in on the fact that even though this is possibly an unpopular opinion, this pivot to focusing on the relationships that are built through styled shoots will get photographers, I believe this wholeheartedly, will get photographers farther than any submission or content will. Hmm. Um, I said it. And when you say submission, you're there. talking about like submission to a magazine or, or anything of the Correct. sort. Okay. All right. Yep. Fair enough. I say magazine. I guess that's kind of old school these days. Blogs, right? But we do live in 2021. <laughs> <We saw magazines. laughs> yeah, I think. I don't know. Where are you, Nathan? I, I'm stuck uh, back yeah, in like 2005. Yeah, apparently. Okay. So, I heard on one of your uh, past podcasts that you're perpetually 14, and I totally resonate with this that is because true. I'm perpetually like 17. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you can relate. Yeah, no, it, it's true. When I, was, when I was actively shooting between 2001 and 2012, 
uh, or thereabouts. That yeah, magazines were definitely kind of the goal. Now it really is more the, the blogs. So that did yeah. date me a little bit. And please don't think that I'm uh, negating the value at mm. all of, of those because I know how powerful. Uh, you know, specifically for new photographers, how powerful they are to propel your business forward. And I, um, you know, have seen the benefits of that as well, but not nearly anywhere close to uh, the benefits of honoring, valuing, um, and really taking care of these relationships that you build through style shoots and editorials and all that good stuff. So um, without, you know, uh, going into anything else, let me just kind of I've been thinking as we've been talking um, a few of these touch points that that hopefully I can provide to other photographers. So um, I'll hit you with that and then maybe we can, you know, dive deep on some. Absolutely. So um, the first one I want to touch on is acknowledging that it's not just yours. Um, we can dive deeper into that, but trying to eradicate that me mindset and making sure that we're standing firm in a collaboration mindset. Um, number two would be don't just ask. Give before you need. Um, what I want to talk about that we'll go into more with this one is um, how we initially find these vendors. A lot of times when, when other photographers come to me and ask, like, how do you even start with a style shoot? It's not about uh, just finding a hashtag and, and messaging, cold cold messaging, you know, some, some vendors. But it's about building the relationship before you really need them. Um, so giving before you need. That's number two. Um, By the way, I'm, I'm three, actively and furiously taking notes with my very fancy <laughs> okay, sorry. notebook and pen. So I love just it. Keep going. Let me know if you want me to slow down. The Italian no, in me likes to kind of talk faster and louder. Um, so number three would be using always, 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 always using real couples. I cannot stress that one enough. Number four is going to be providing a timeline. Um, the former video producer in me lives and dies by a timeline. So this has been so super helpful. Um, last but not least um, is lead and leave with gratitude and love. I know we talked a lot about empathy, but gratitude and, and just leading with those elements in a um, very tangible and more masculine part of business has always served me so well. So I wanted to touch on that one too. And just to clarify, when you say a more masculine part of business, what do you mean by that? Sure. I thought you were going to catch that. Um, so when I, when I say like, so there's the masculine and feminine sides of a lot of things that we do. Right. And, sure. and inherently, um, you know, the tactical, more, um, analytical, like say creating that timeline, I would categorize as a more masculine activity, something that mm. lives less, um, in the, um, kind of like, oh God, I hate using the word woo-woo, but like less in the feelings and more in the tangible, if that makes any sense. Sure. Sure. I'm following you. Okay. And so not always. And, and that's not to, to, to separate in any way. I think we, I think we all kind of have facets of both, obviously. Absolutely. Um, but just, yeah, kind of that distinguish. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to understand a little bit better. Okay. So I, I wrote yeah. down a list here, uh, one through five, and th these are actually interesting points. I want to kind of break each of them down. Let's go back to the first one. Acknowledging that the shoot, the style shoot is not just yours. I think it kind of speaks for itself, but break it down just a little bit more. And, and I guess I'm, I'm always about the, the tangible and practical, right? So as an idea, it makes sense. How do you actually translate this to the way that you engage with the vendors that are associated with the shoot? Sure. Um, so I, 
a lot of times I see photographers getting either frustrated or overwhelmed with other vendors not doing it their way or having uh, miscommunications with vendors before they even get on site at the styled shoot, whether that's, you know, through email or post shoot, not tagging the right people or, you know, whatever that might be, a lot of miscommunications, a lot of frustration. And even though a styled shoot is, you know, often created to execute a vision, um, in my experience, the vision is often not only executed better, but more uh, authentically done when you allow it to be fully collaborative from the beginning. This makes for not only a transformational experience for the crew, for the models, for uh, you know everyone taking part, um, but it creates an environment of people, a community that love to come back to you, that are willing to say yes when you uh, DM them with a crazy idea for another style shoot in six yeah. months. So when, um, what is, I guess, more specifically though, like when I, because when I think about this, I'm, let's say I'm the photographer who's setting up the shoot. In order for it to happen, I have to lead it. How do I make them feel mm-hmm. that I'm not just the leader of the shoot and the photographer who is trying to get, you know, get the most out of it, but that I'm, I'm making it something they all feel like they are equally mm-hmm. a part of. What, what would that actually look like tangibly? Yeah, great question. So it it all comes back to communication, right? So initially for me, what that looks like is in that um, first email, when I am asking and introducing the idea that I have for the styled shoot in the email, I'll say, please, when you respond, let me know not only if you are available and if this is something that you would like to participate in, but what kind of content can I intentionally create for you, florist, dress company, menswear, you know, venue, that is not something that you have right now on mm. your website that you are looking to either uh, gain more of, or yeah. can I get some behind the scenes videos? Can yep. I bring an assistant with me to get, you know, so like knowing that. that they are taken care of right from the get go before you are even asking for their time is invaluable. That totally makes sense. Okay. And, and I like that too. I, this, this notion again, and it kind of seems cliche, but this notion of adding value or looking for opportunities to add value. If we go into it with that yeah. mindset and we start literally start the conversation with, Hey, we're doing this shoot, but give me a list of things that, that I can do for the sake of adding value to your life, to your business via the shoot. What are you missing? Exactly. What type of shots? What do you need for the portfolio? Do you need some new albums for your, your office or you know, whatever it might be, but looking for opportunities to add that value. Uh, and really that's a beautiful segue into number two, which is don't just ask, give before mm. you need. Would you have anything to add on that or to build on that for the sake of that second point? Yeah, just a little bit only in terms of, uh, using Instagram as a tool for this, right? So, um, if you connect with a vendor that you might want to work with, you see them either on a popular hashtag or, uh, working on another styled shoot that you got inspired by or anything like that. Um, Be sure to check in with them, follow them, of course, interact with some stories, but don't just be so surface level. You know, Instagram, I think we we struggle a lot with Instagram as photographers because we're always so angry at the algorithm and we've got pitchforks ready to like blow up, you know, any any new change (laughs) to the algorithm. But uh, truly, I think that it's such a phenomenal tool to... um, to, to, to be connected and to be intentional. And, and we really, um, 
we have the capacity to just look at Instagram as an extension of our personalities, right? And I think the more that we act in integrity to who we are in the day-to-day life, who we are to our parents, who we are to our friends, uh, who we are on a podcast, through the DMs, through comments, um, we can really do this with potential vendors. Even just sending them you know, a quick DM when you see that they did a rebrand, saying how much you loved it. Um, how inspired you are by their work. And then in three months, when you ask them to be a part of your style too, I can guarantee you that they will be much more likely to not only answer the DM, but really consider if that's something that they have time for. Well, it all does come back in the end to this idea. I think so much of of our interaction with uh, the individuals in our life, as well as the vendors, especially in this context, comes back to looking for the opportunity to add value. So I think those first two points are super poignant and really can't, underestim- or can't be underestimated. But then I also want to go to number three, and this really captures my attention because I know this is not the case for a lot of styled shoots. Always oh. use real couples. Now, I, I will, I'll add the caveat, at least in my experience, styled shoots that I've seen at workshops or scheduled styled shoot events, if you will, in many cases, I don't think are real couples. A lot of times it's models. What would you say is the drawback to models versus mm. quote unquote real couples? Oh my gosh. Okay. You might have to cut me off on this one because I am so passionate about this and <laughs> I could talk for hours. So you just let me know when you're like, I need you to zip it. Okay. Well, um. actually let's start for the sake of context. Define quote real couples for us and, and then talk about the, the pros and cons, if you will. Okay, sure. A real couple is someone who is in love. It is not someone who is married. It is a two people that are in love. Oh, That's look at the, the brevity and, and simplicity. I love it. Okay, so, so <laughs> that then, hmm. Okay, so is that just for the sake of the, the so-called authenticity? I hate to use that word because it's just overused, but the authenticity of the emotive expression between the couple for the sake of the pictures? Or like, what's the significance of that to you? Okay. Um, so yeah, all amazing inquiries. Um, it might seem like a given to some and in my world it, it is, but it also might seem foreign. So I'm really glad we're talking about this. Um, we need to be sh- treating our styled shoots, our styled shoot models with the same intention, care, attitude that we give to our paid couples. And now this is crucial for you know a, a bunch of reasons, but not only is it essential to have a real couple that is madly in love so that you can get to know them and get to know their story to evoke the same kind of emotion that you would be trying to gain from a real wedding. Hello, the hope is that we get more emotion out of these, um, but you want to provide the same fun and exciting experience that you would if it was really their wedding day because they are giving up hours out of their precious time to do something for you, to, to give you a benefit, a boost to your business, right? Um, get to know them over coffee if you've never shot with them before. You know, ask um, if they, you know, prefer donuts or cupcakes. If you want to bring, you know, something to the shoot, know what they like for lunch. If they're vegetarian, ask what kind of photos they would like to have. It goes a step further than just inquiring with the vendors what they need for their website, but ask the couple. They're stupidly in love. They probably want photos to hang on their wall too. And you want to give them those photos that they've always dreamed of. Maybe they've never had a photo shoot before. I know I did a styled shoot. Um, kind of like a workshop uh, about a year ago. Oh my gosh, wow. 
um, that other photographers bought tickets to that I hosted. And the couple had to cancel their wedding because of COVID. So it was kind of like, you know, they just ended up getting married at the courthouse. So it was a bit of a vow renewal for them. And it was incredibly special and super emotional. Um, So being able to treat it as such something that is sacred for this couple, Mm. not only changes the photos, and people can see that, but it changes the experience altogether for everyone. Okay. So I guess looking more for, we think, think about bringing models. Uh, have you ever seen the, um, the movie is called love and other drugs, Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I, I'm a pretty, I'm kind of a romantic sap if I'm honest. And so certain movies like that, I'm very taken to, but I think about a movie like that and you have actors who can brilliantly depict a couple in love that can show the emotion, Mm. the interaction. You can see that from some models, but the thing that I'm, I, I guess I'm kind of taking away from your comments are that, taking advantage of this opportunity to give to an actual couple, somebody in a relationship versus just bringing some models in is it's almost like a means of service. You're, you're giving this experience an opportunity for this couple versus just throwing that to a model. Is that, is that part of it? Or is it also part of the, the, the authenticity that you're trying to go for in the way that the images are, are produced the way that they look? I think it's both, Nathan. I really do. And I think everything that we do, especially, I mean, our entire businesses as photographers, we are service providers, right? So everything that we do, rather whether that it's styled shoots, you know, uh, delivering, meeting with clients, it should all be soaked in service, right? Like that is such an integral part of, of our profession and, um, you know, who we are as it's service providers, right? That it's in the name. So I, I mean, I think, you know, yes, having that authenticity is invaluable, but also coming from a place of, um, this is an experience that I want to give you, I think will inevitably not only make um, everyone's experience better, but those photos, like think about when you realize when you're watching a movie, and then you realize that the couple in love in the movie is actually together in real life. Doesn't that give you some semblance of like, yeah. oh, gosh, I feel connected. Sure. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, we'll leave that one as is for now. I think that I think it's a good recommendation. It's a strong recommendation, though, to getting real couples involved. And there are multiple benefits on both ends, both for, I think, the vendors. uh, And because we also think about the potential for referrals, right? If this couple comes in and they're super stoked about these people that they're getting to work with, there might be an opportunity to actually have their real wedding with these vendors. There also might be some referrals from that couple to others. I mean, and that's just that's just on the vendor side. Then you think about the benefits to the couple's the finished images. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So many, so many. That's that another huge there. part. Totally. And I actually would encourage photographers listening, you know, if, if you're in a place where either you don't have a lot of, um, a lot of your friends are single or, you know, what have you, the option is always there to ask one of your wedding clients to model. And I would actually encourage you to do this, namely one, because it gives you more interaction with them to better serve them on their wedding day. And two, it gives them a freaking trial. Um, so I think there's there's actually a lot of benefits in kind of merging those two aspects of your business. And if you are as connected and close uh, with your clients, that should be, um, you know, a no brainer as an option. All right. So let's jump then. We've got number one is to acknowledge that the shoot, the styled shoot's just not your, it's not just yours. Two, don't just ask, give before you need. Uh, three is always use real couples, people in relationships, and then four, provide a timeline for the shoot. You are the, the, the ultimate planner 
um, having experience in video production and so forth. Talk to me a little bit about what this timeline looks like. How detailed are you getting? How are you communicating or sharing this with the vendors? Are there updates to it? What does that workflow look like? Totally. Yeah. And so I, I hope I didn't give off the uh, vibe that, you know, I'm constantly planning and that, you know, this timeline is like the biggest part of this production because I do want to encourage photographers to let this be easy and fun and that we don't have to overcomplicate styled shoots and that you can have a styled shoot tomorrow if you wanted to uh, with a dress that you order off of Amazon and two people that you found on the street. Maybe not. I would encourage. Yeah, let's not go to that extent. But (laughs) but I have to actually jump in where I'd push back a little bit is I've seen disorganization, whether it's in photography Mm. get togethers or conferences or workshops or whatever. Totally. There there's a tendency for things to go chaotic if there isn't some type of clear intention. Number one, intention is great then. But two, if there's not some type of a plan in place, even if even if it's been created, you know, 10 minutes ago some type of plan structure because people, whether they do it consciously or not, are also looking for leadership and guidance. And when that doesn't exist exactly. and they're kind of like, uh, I what, what do I do next? Uh, and, and there are individuals in some cases, many individuals st- just standing around waiting for the next thing. Cause they don't know yeah. what's going on. That's just, that's not a great experience either. So talk to us about how you go about creating that, that timeline and sharing it with those involved. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for bringing me back on track. I just, yeah, I didn't want to give off this like I plan every moment of it because I oh do no no no, the, you just talked about planning as a too. yeah as a video producer yeah. earlier. So I just yeah, there's a little reference to that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, certainly there's some significance to this. So what does it look like? So although it is a collaboration, like we've talked about, you being the photographer. Um, are the host most times of this experience for everyone. So like you said, we need, someone needs to be in that guiding leadership role. And oftentimes if we're the one coming to other vendors with the idea, with the inspiration, we need to assume that leadership role. We need to be ready um, to kind of take on what that entails. And a lot of times it is creating a timeline for the day. Um, if you have a planner that's also helping collaborate with you guys, that is you know an option for them to take on that role. But in a lot of scenarios that it will be us the photographer which is also just great practice um if you're an elopement photographer intimate wedding photographer and there isn't a planner this is great practice for that um so a lot of times i will send out a tentative like um kind of look over overview if you will of the day when i initially ask my vendors is this something that you'd like to be part of um i'm really excited about it here's my idea just so that they have kind of uh, a game plan right in their head of, is this something that I can commit to, whether they are someone that's going to be there in person, like the hair and makeup artist, or if it's something like the bridal shop that doesn't need to be there, but does want to know the whereabouts of their often very expensive items. Um, so that's something that I do initially. And then later on in the in the sequence, I kind of, um, you know, once, you know, we've gotten into planning, everything's been coordinated, I will go ahead and send out... Um, everything down to the time that we have for lunch, uh, the time that people will need to leave by the, um, you know, the hard stop at the end of the day, you know, that those are things that I think really are crucial to have that managed expectation upfront, especially if you are inviting other photographers to this style shoot, something that I noticed in mine personally that I tried uh, to manage and also in others um, is this kind of push pull to have the time, especially when we are focusing on golden hour, to get those shots that photographers so desperately want. And now, in my experience, being um, kind of, I don't want to use the word desperate because I hate that word, 
but so trying to get those shots, there ends up being this energy of tension. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a timeline, you can really try to mitigate that and, yep. and maybe break up the group or have that opportunity to nip that in the bud before it even becomes an issue. Um, and I, I've seen and heard of a lot of styled shoots uh, recently that have, you know, just become chaotic and, you know, aren't a pleasant experience for the models and especially not for the photographers. And, and the last thing that I want to think of is photographers leaving something, um, you know, with, with an energy of disappointment rather than fire and, you know, being jazzed up about their jobs and life and their portfolio and connections. Well, yeah, management of expectations is, is such a big part of this. You need the leadership, Huge. but of course, one of the benefits in having that leadership is that somebody's proactively managing expectations. I, I wasn't even planning on this, Landra, but as you're talking, this very much reminds me of uh, a platform that, that we are actually getting ready to soft launch. It's called Milu, and I'm just going to pop it up on the screen here, but wow. it's actually a tool for photographers and coordinators to, to create managed timelines and shot lists for the events that they're photographing, including styled shoots. And it's an iOS app. We also wow. have a web-based interface. So I'm just going to pop it up here. Really, this was not planned on or meant to be a commercial of any kind, but it, it really fits what you're talking about. And when it comes to not only creating the timeline and a shot list, if you want to do that thing, but also you scroll down here on the homepage, it's miilu.com, milu.com. Mm-hmm. You can, there's a tool that's built into the app that enables you to be able to share and collaborate with uh, the other vendors, wow. the timelines and shot lists that you're creating for that particular event. So I just wanted to pop that up there really quick. Again, a little bit of a Nathan, shameless that's plug. Exceptional. That's it's, so it's something cool. We're I mean, what an answer to, to prayers. <laughs> well, I hope so. You know, a lot of a lot of these interactions, especially wedding photographers or event photographers, creating timeline shot lists leading up to a wedding day. Even now in 2021, we expect that you have some really great tools to do this with. It's still like Word docs or Google docs and emails and phone calls and meetings, and it it can get really complicated. We're trying to simplify that with this application. So mm-hmm. just wanted to throw that out there for any, anybody who may be curious. We haven't really even been so pushing exciting. it because we're getting ready to soft launch here soon. But um, it is there. It's Milu.com. So just a little side note. But I want to jump to the last point here that you made, which is to lead and leave with gratitude and love. And again, this may be a bit self-explanatory, but talk to us just a little bit about what this means tangibly, what you're doing to create this type of an environment, the feeling for the people that are interacting with you. Yeah, totally. So I think one of the best uh, and obviously most tangible ways to show someone that you care, and uh, this might go back to, you know, the kind of love language that you like to receive in and give in. And for me, giving uh, gifts has always been a way that I show love. And so maybe this is just specific to me, but I have seen the benefits of it. Um, So it's something that I will encourage other photographers to potentially play with. Um, If you can and everyone can leave a note. I mean, I know budgets are tight sometimes and you don't always have the opportunity to give a gift, but if you can, a small gift or note to not only your vendors and possibly photographers that have attended, but your models and the the venue, every single piece of that experience needs to be receiving a note at the very least. This is a small act of appreciation that goes such an incredibly long way when you've utilized someone's time. We go through our lives and days so focused on the next thing that when we take a moment to slow down and hand someone a handwritten note, that is life-changing. And I know that maybe that sounds a little dramatic, um, but sometimes I've even been in scenarios like I'll just keep a little uh, note card in my camera bag 
Um, and I don't even have an envelope. And I've just handed it to people before just to say, you mean a lot to me. Thank you for giving up your time today. Um, and I can't tell you what a difference that has made. Yeah. I, I, those hand, I, it still means a lot to me. Again, I'm a pretty emotional, yeah. like romantic guy. I love getting handwritten <laughs> notes. I, it's so meaningful too, because somebody's actually taken the time to do something. It's one thing to send, you know, to type an email or to send, I honestly, it always drives me crazy when people just, I get a text message or, you know, maybe a messenger message or a DM or something on a birthday, it, it, especially from somebody that's close family or friend that just on my birthday is like, happy birthday. You know, and of course, the funny thing about that is a lot like Facebook, for example, <laughs> they all you have to do is like click a button and it fills it in for you or sends the message for you. So right. it's so lazy and it's so meaningless, yeah. you know, I, I, largely. I mean, I don't want to throw too many people under the bus, but you can feel the vacancy of emotion. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, actually. Yeah. Why not make a little bit of extra effort, especially knowing the significance of these relationships for the long haul? The thing that I've always said in context of developing a relationship with vendors is Personally, anyway, and I'd certainly want to recommend this for everybody else, go into it with a genuine intention to develop a genuine relationship because people can mm. read through the BS. And I, yes. I, I can still so vividly remember actually a networking meeting that I went to just a couple of years back uh, or so. And there was a photographer here in the, the Chattanooga area, the photographer at that particular meeting whose tone of voice was just dripping with fake. And it, it was... Like it was, it was distracting. It was so obvious that this person had no genuine interest in actually engaging in a conversation and, and developing a relationship. And by the way, in some ways I don't fault them. We all have our own issues and struggles and things going on internally. So I don't, I don't mean that judgmentally per se, but it's what I will say is that people see through bullshit. They see through the fake. And the last thing that we need to do is to bring that to that interaction First of all, just for the sake of our personal lives, but then we're expecting something in return from this other person and, and a working relationship in the future, but we're going to fake our way into it. I, I mean, let's, that is like the least, to, again, to borrow the cliche word, authentic thing that we could possibly do. So let's actually go in with intention for a genuine connection mm-hmm. in that relationship. People are going to actually feel that. And if we go to the extent, like you're talking about, Leandra, of, of doing something like writing a handwritten note, making the extra mm-hmm. effort, even if it takes an extra two minutes, the impact that that can have is incredible. And I, I just want to encourage everybody to go in with that mindset. That's so important. I, I love that, Nathan. And, and just, you know, this one little thing I wanted to add to, in addition to that, if it's, you know, something where you can't do the handwritten note or, or something happens, whatever, finding little moments throughout the day that you can incorporate that, that tell the people that have been working with you that you care, right? Like I know I had one, a couple, one time that really hated sparkling anything. Like we were going to do a champagne toast or a champagne uh, spray, but they hate, excuse me, they hated um, anything bubbly. So instead we got their favorite beer, right? Like there are little shifts that we can make not only with our wedding clients, you know, uh, paid clients, but, you know, in styled shoots that just tell people, hey, I see you, I care about you. And, and that's really, it's, it's just as simple as that. And that, I think that's the difference between a good photography business and an exceptional one. Mm. Well, and again, it, it comes back to that, those two ideas that we highlighted at the very beginning of our conversation, experience and relationships, right? And they, in this case, go hand yeah. in hand. It's, it's so important. Um, I, one question actually came in through the comments. Whitney was saying, do you have any advice for non-bridal styled shoots? And, and maybe, Whitney, you can kind of give a little bit more context to this question too. But what's your initial take on that, that question there, Leandra? Totally. So I think what she might be asking, and um, 
is more like couples based or family um, or also possibly the same sex wedding route. I'm not sure. But in terms of both, I would say meet it with the same intention as you mm. would any style shoot, right? Like this isn't just for um, just for this is especially not just for brides. This is especially not just for, um, you know, traditional couples. This is this is for if you want to get more experience shooting families. This is for if you want to, you know, and this really, a lot of these aspects can be applied to our life and business, like the way that we conduct our business, but also any kind of styled shoot that you can dream up, right? And I think the beauty of this collaboration and and treating it as a collaboration rather than like we talked about in the first point, just something that came from our brains that we want to put on our website is the fact that by virtue of having other creatives in a room, you will inherently create something extraordinary that you didn't initially think of. Right. So just just by um, kind of letting go a little bit of that control no matter what kind of style shoot you're trying to put on is such a beautiful thing because I think by partnering with other creatives in the industry, you are able to, and whether that, and like, let's take, you know, to provide something tangible. So when I say other creatives in the industry, she might be thinking, well, there wouldn't be another vendor that I'd be collaborating with if I'm just doing a couple. Try incorporating a videographer, try incorporating a venue. A lot of times couple shoots will be at local venues because that's either where their wedding is or because that's, you know, a place they feel connected to, or it's just stupid, beautiful, right? Like there's always a way that we can, um, collaborate with another vendor. And I think there's a lot of magic that happens when we do that, no matter what the style shoot is. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring up family style shoots too, because I don't think that's something that I've seen done a whole lot, but that's, that's kind of an interesting idea. And the vendors, like what vendors might you collaborate with in that case? Do you think? I would say um, specifically like for families, if you wanted to collaborate with someone uh, or a brand like Baltic Born, like that provides dresses, or if you wanted to collaborate with a local boutique that you Mm -hmm. knew that you could get something for everyone in the family, or if you wanted to collaborate with a venue that you really wanted to shoot at, but you didn't have a wedding client and you wanted to show that you can do families there as well. Sure. There's so many options. You're right. Okay. Possibilities are endless. And, and I appreciate the question, Whitney. And by the way, again, I will encourage everybody who's listening to the audio version of this after the fact, come be a part of our live streams. If you follow us on Instagram at Boca Podcast, you can come ask questions and, and really engage in, a, in an active conversation, which I think is much more enjoyable just for everybody all around. So I appreciate the comments uh, today too, during and questions during the, the broadcast. Super I fun. do. And here's, we're finishing up, Leandra, I want to jump over to your, and this is totally random question that I didn't even send to you ahead of time. I do send for anybody who's, oh, no. who's listening in or watching I, I, to break the fourth wall a little bit. I've mentioned this before, but I sent an outline of questions to our guests ahead of time so they can kind of think through it and prepare for the conversation. Don't worry. This is nothing serious, nothing crazy. <laughs> I, in fact, it's actually a really significant compliment or compliment rather. I'm, I'm going to jump over to your Instagram page because I'm mm-hmm. really taken by, and to be honest with you, to, I guess it's a premise or a preface to this conversation. As, as much as I own an editing company and so much of what we do is about editing style, I think there is so much weight placed on this notion mm. of editing style 
that I think is maybe overdone at times. And, and it's yes. a conversation in of itself. In fact, just a, a little bit of a shout out, I'll, I'll bring it back to here. We're actually doing a, a live uh, broadcast tonight for Photographer's Edit, talking specifically about editing style. So for I'll those of you listening in or watching, if, if we're doing this and, and we'll probably do a second or third one even as well. But just go to Instagram, Photogs Edit, P-H-O, in fact, I'll pop it up on screen here, P-H-O-T-O-G-S-E-D-I-T. We're going to talk about developing an editing style, the philosophy piece of it, and then also thinking about how yeah. to develop a preset around it. But that being said, Leandra, I have to, to give you major props for your so-called oh. editing style because it's not very often that I come across something that isn't just simply true to life that I'm really taken by. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that that editing styles in many cases are so trendy and or extreme mm. that you know in a year or two years or five years, somebody's going to look back at those and going to be like, what in the world? I mean, and I've told this multiple yeah. times on the podcast before. I, I had, we were, we were processing images with this effect called Lomo. It was meant to simulate Lomography or a Lomo camera. Yes. <laughs> and it was like cross-processed, heavy vignette. And I was applying these to the engagement photos in this sample album that was in my office back in the day. One day I go and I open up and like sitting down on the couch or something, I'm looking through this album. I'm like, what in the world? This looks so bad. <laughs> like, what was I thinking processing these images yeah. this way? And I Remember think, sepia? That I feel like haunts me in my nightmares. <laughs> yeah, well, but even with, with sepia, which is interesting, you bring that up. Because yeah, for a second there, I think maybe right alongside or right after the selective color craze that yes. was super popular, then it was like sepia because people are like, oh, I can go to Photoshop and click a button and it makes it look like sepia. But even the sepia tone, it, what tends to look bad when it comes to sepia is the extremity of it. Like if you have a super brown right. image because you you like bump the saturation on that sepia, it doesn't look great. The the kind of subtle sepia tone, I think is, it can be really, really lovely depending on how it's mm. processed. Nonetheless, my point very simply is that you've got an editing style, and I'm going to jump to your Instagram account here, that is really lovely. I mean, I, I do get the sense that it is, um, it, it's got that kind of film, slightly old school vibe to it, which has been very, very popular, but you're not processing in such a way that it's so extreme that the skin tones are absolutely you know, ridiculously green or super mm -hmm. pale so the subject looks dead uh, or anything of the sort. And this, this image here, I was just talking to Jill about this yesterday. Oh. I'm so taken by this image. Oh. And for anybody who's listening, uh, this was posted two days ago. So July 26th, a uh, black and white post. The, the genuine intimacy and the interaction between this couple mm. is captured beautifully. The processing isn't overdone. Gorgeous backlight and rim light, of course, on the subject. I mean, just like really, really gorgeous stuff. So I have to give a shout oh, out to, sweet. to Leandra's work and make sure that you go, and I've got it up here on screen, but you go to Instagram and follow her. It's Leandra, L-E-A-N-D-R-A, Creative Co, C-O, Photo, Leandra Creative Co Photo. And we'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And then of course, to uh, your website, Leandra, and I'm going to pop it up here on screen as well. Actually, we'll jump back really quick. LeandraCreativeCo.com. And by the way, I'm super jealous of this picture here on your homepage. <laughs> I knew you would comment on that. I love that. With that Triumph motorcycle, which looks very, very similar to one that I owned not very long ago. Um, and Jill and I used to ride together. Actually, it's beautiful, beautiful image. Where was that taken? That was in Asheville along the Blue Ridge Parkway. Oh, yeah. And I've ridden up in that area before. It's um, going up that direction, I think. Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge. Yeah, toward Asheville. At least in a car, yeah. maybe in a motorcycle as well. But it, nonetheless, it's beautiful. And that image in particular is just stunning as well. So 
For those of you listening in, make sure that you do go follow Leandra on Instagram. Of course, we're going to link to that in the show notes, but then also go visit her website. Leandra, anything else as we're finishing up? Oh my gosh, you are too kind. That really, really does mean the world, Um, especially coming from you. It's funny, I was kind of debating on even sharing that photo, um, and I'm glad that I did because it spoke to someone, and that's all that matters. The last thing I'll say is that if you're a photographer listening or watching and you're at a place in your business where you're looking to level up your styled shoots or maybe you're looking to, um, you know, get to that new place in your business or you're feeling like there might be that one little missing piece that you're still trying to incorporate, I um, will be launching my course for Soulful Photographers again on Monday, August 16th. We had the first round last month and it was just extraordinary to see photographers invest in themselves in this way and um, we really hone in on the magic of human connection and relationships and psychology through this course that I've created and it's everything everything that I wish that I had when I was first starting and I know um, that you like to focus on efficiency for photographers on the podcast and my entire goal with this course was to help photographers not go through what I went through when I was struggling to find that missing piece in my business. Um, and so I hope that it serves someone. And if you would like to sign up for the waitlist, it is at the link in my bio. Um, if you are on the waitlist, you'll be the first to hear about um, Kismet Connection Academy and the bonuses and all that jazz. So really excited to be sharing it with you here first. Cool. Yeah, we've actually got it popped up here on screen. And uh, we'll certainly link to that in the show notes as well at bocapodcast.com. I appreciate you sharing that, Leandra. And on that note, actually, Katie, I just popped this up really quick. Katie says, love listening. Great topic today. Thanks, Katie, for the comments, for listening in. Really appreciate it. Thanks for everybody who, who listened in live. And again, I would encourage those of you who are listening to the audio after the fact, come hang out with us sometime. Just follow us on Insta, Boca Podcast. We'll keep you posted. Thanks so much, Leandra. I really appreciate your time today. Nathan, this was incredible. Thank you so much for having me. I just, I love talking to you. You are such a light. Thank you for giving so much to this community and just, uh, you know, continuing to, to serve our people. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Make sure to follow us, bocapodcast.com. Check out the live stream replay. If you didn't get to see the original, facebook.com slash bocapodcast. We'll talk to everybody soon.